Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast of Life Church in Perry, Georgia. Let's join Pastor Tim McLaughlin and go to the message. If you have your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to get there in just a second. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. So last week, I started a series that uh, is titled, Don't Give Satan the Satisfaction. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I mean, not, not that I don't have any other material, that God hasn't given me anything else. But um, this was actually one of the first messages I ever preached back in 2020. Or was it 20? When did, no, that would have been a long time before that. 2002. I, mean, I get that all mixed up all the time. 2002, uh, one of the first messages back then I, that I preached. And, uh, and back then, it was, I don't know, I probably had a page and a half of notes. I was scared to death and everything. And the Lord just continued to add to this message. And, and I've preached it before since then, usually as a teaching and I've been wanting to, to teach it on a Wednesday night, but the Lord finally released me because there were some things, not only that He was dealing with in my life, but I believe some things that He was dealing with in many of the lives of the people here. And as soon as I started last week, it inevitably, and it happens every time that I've ever taught on this subject, somebody comes up to me and they'll ask the question, so are you saying that you don't believe in the devil? It's not what I'm saying. There's a devil out there. We, we, we know that there's a real devil. I spent uh, an hour last week, or 45 minutes last week, giving you 16 things that the Bible says about who he is. So I talked to you last week about the need to know who your enemy is. We need to know who our enemy is. I, I shared this with you last week. If you are a, uh, an athlete, uh, football players, they watch films because they want to know who they're going up against that week. If you're a boxer, you want to know who you're getting ready to go up, and you're going to watch a lot of film, and you're going to watch it in slow motion, because you want to know who you're getting ready to face. If, if you, in any line of work, if you're in business, you want to know what your competitor is doing, so you're going to, so this is the reality. We need to know who our enemy is. But I believe that one of the biggest issues that the church faces today is nobody wants to talk about him but yet we give him the satisfaction we won't talk about him in church but we give him the satisfaction in the way that we live our lives I know this goes out on the air so I need to be careful because my mom watches these messages and so I'll probably get a phone call or something if I'm not careful on how I say this my wife opens her eyes big and goes you better be careful but I've told you this, if you've not been coming here a long time, if this is your first time, God delivered me out of a 20-something year, almost 27-year addiction. I spent 20, 27 years um, with a life-controlling issue, drugs and alcohol. When I was in second grade, um, I got introduced to marijuana, seven years old. I was smoking cigarettes. I was getting into my parents' liquor cabinet and, and was drinking. And I, it's seven years old. I remember being in the second grade, and I remember um, our school 
you, you sold magazines and books and to raise money for the school. And the more books and the more magazines you sold, the more prizes you would get. And I didn't want to sell magazines or books. I, I just, I could care less about that stuff. And listen, I heard my dad complain enough about how much taxes he was paying. I didn't think I needed to sell the books for the school to, to raise money. But I didn't want to be the only kid in the school either that didn't get a prize. So I talked my grandmother into buying a magazine. And I had just enough points to be able to order a patch to put on my members-only jacket. How many of you remember members-only? See, you were the cool people. The rest of you, I'm sorry. All right. No, I'm just kidding. So I had a members-only jacket in second grade, and I won this. I got this patch that I had my mom stitch to my members-only jacket. And the fact that my parents allowed me to order this patch is another story. But what the patch said was, and it had a little picture of a little red devil with a pitchfork, and it said, the devil made me do it. I was, I was in second grade, and I had a patch that said, the devil made me do it. And sometimes what we do in life is we do the same thing. We'll do something wrong, and we'll, we'll, we'll say, well, the devil. And we give him credit for things that he did not do. So let's look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 11. You would stand real quick for me for the reading of God's word before you get really comfortable. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 11. The Apostle Paul says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant. Say, I am not ignorant of his devices. Father, thank you for the opportunity to teach your word. We know that your word is truth. We know where the truth is preached, there's freedom. And Lord, as we just finished singing, this is a place of freedom. And Father, we are not ignorant. There's one thing I can say, Lord God, that the reason that you called me into the ministry, the one reason that, that, Father, I can think of is not because I'm an eloquent speaker, not because I'm the most educated, but, Father, I believe in your word. I believe every dot and tittle of your word, and I believe that if the church would get a hold of the truth of your word, we would be the victorious church that you've called us to be. And so, Father, help me to preach your word today. Give me the anointing and speak through my mouth. And Lord, be with each and every one that's here. Give them ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. The Apostle Paul gave us a warning in 2 Corinthians that we should not be ignorant or unaware of the devices of Satan. So in order not to be ignorant, we need to make ourselves aware. Jesus said this in a very familiar passage. Most of you know this. Most of you can quote this. John 10.10. 10. The thief does not come except. What does he come for? Steal, kill. That's the only thing that he comes for is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you would have life and that you would have it more abundantly. How many of you want to live the abundant life? The abundant life it has nothing to do with stealing, killing, or destroying. That is not the abundant life. So if the thief came to steal your life, to destroy your life, to try to kill you, you need to understand that Jesus, 
who we confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart that he is raised from the dead, that he is our Lord and Savior. When we make him Lord of our lives, we can walk in the abundant life. I want to walk in the abundant life. Sickness has no place in the abundant life. Poverty has no place in the abundant life. Addiction has no place in the abundant life. We need to grasp a hold of this. So we discussed last week, again, our need to know the enemy. We need to know him because if we do not know who he is, then we are ignorant of who he is and what he has power to do or not to do. This morning, I want to quickly talk about how we need to guard our thoughts and our words. We not only need to know who he is, but we need to know his devices. And one of his devices is that we need to guard our thoughts and our words. Saying statements like, the devil made me do it, is a statement that will get you in trouble. Let me put it this way. How many of you agree with this? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So if we believe that, that, that when we speak faith, if we speak healing, if we speak prosperity, if we speak the Word of God that we will receive those things. How many of you agree with that? So how about this? If we speak negative, if we give the devil the satisfaction, if we let those corrupt things come out of our mouth, we shall also have those things. I believe that one of Satan's devices is to get people, his church, because you understand Paul is writing this letter in 2 Corinthians. He's writing this to the church in Corinth. He's not writing this to lost people. He's not writing this to, to, the, to, the, to the drug addicts out there in the community. He wasn't writing this to, to those that were you know, worshiping Baal. He was writing this to the church, and he said, you don't need to be ignorant of his devices. So I believe that one of Satan's biggest advices is, devices is to get people off in the extremes when it comes to the things that deal with spiritual warfare so that we become unfruitful in the kingdom of God. I think I've got this slide up there. I hope I do. You need to see this. The greatest enemy that has robbed the Christian is wrong thinking and wrong believing. I shared with you last week. Who's working the camera? Miss Darlene, sorry. One I shared with you last week, Genesis says that sin crouches at the door. Now, this door doesn't have one, but how many of you got one of those doors that's got the little hole, the the, the peephole in it, so that you can look out? Sin is crouching at the door, but he says we don't have to fall prey to that sin. We have the ability, through Christ Jesus, to overcome. How do we overcome? We keep the door closed. If it ain't Jesus on the other side, I'm not opening the door. But what happens is, is we open that door to sin, to sickness, to disease, to addiction, to all these things because of our thinking and our speaking. We will say things and not even, not even think about it. They just come out of our mouth. We will say things and we open the spiritual realm to the enemy. Wrong thinking and wrong believing eventually will lead to wrong actions. 
Wrong thinking and wrong believing eventually leads to wrong actions. That's the same thing. And you don't even have, it don't even have to be the devil. We don't have to talk about the devil. We can just have wrong thinking about salvation. We can have wrong thinking about the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We can have wrong thinking about how divine healing works. August 23rd, I'm going to start teaching healing school. Why am I going to teach healing school? Because many people are ignorant. Is there anybody in this room that has never been sick? Listen, I'm a preacher. I deal with these things too. This, this body right here just sometimes does not do what my spirit man is telling it to do. So I have to learn how to take those thoughts captive. But I will not give the devil the satisfaction. I told you last week, I went to a church up in Kentucky, and the first thing the pastor said, he said, I hope you all had a better week than I have because the devil's been kicking my butt. I looked at Miss Sharon, and I said, go start the vehicle. We're in the wrong house. I will not give him the satisfaction. She also told me last week, I can't believe you said that word. I'm not going to say it again. So don't, if you don't know, go back and watch the tape, but I'm not going to say it again. We need to know what the Word of God says on any subject and think and believe and act in line with God's Word. Brother Wade Alday sitting back there, I'm going to brag on this brother because he's just, he's my hero. Because he's been in the hospital, last week he was in the hospital for four or five days, and every time I would call and check on him, he's coming back with, well, well, Pastor, you told me to memorize Scripture. These are the scriptures that I memorized, and this is what the Word says. I know my body don't feel like it right now, but this is what the Word says, and I'm standing on the Word. Amen. Doctors would come in the room, and they say, well, this is what, this is what the test says. He says, well, that's what the test says, but this is what my Word says. He texted me, I think it was yesterday or something, uh, maybe Friday, I can't remember. He texted me, he said, Pastor, is there a such thing as talking too much about Jesus? I said, brother, there ain't no such thing. If he be exalted, if he be lifted up, he said he would draw all men. But we need to know the word. How many of you in here, by a show of hands, everybody just keep looking this way, don't look around at everybody else. How many of you in here can say, I, I have at least one scripture memorized? Keep your hands up. How many of you say, I have two? Three, put your hands down if you're not the t two or three. Four, five, six or more. Now there's three or four hands still up there. Listen, the more word we can get, when the, when the fiery darts come, we'll get there in just a second, but when those fiery darts come, when those negative thoughts come, when those doctor's reports come, when those banker's reports come, when those things come in, you need to know the word and you need to speak the word. The greatest enemy that has robbed the Christian is wrong thinking and wrong believing. You see, the devil can't get in to the believer unless the door is open. The devil can't get to the believer unless we open the door. Listen to this. An uncontrolled mind and wrong thinking have as much to do with opening the door to the devil as wrong believing and wrong talking do. I'm going to leave that up there. I'm going to say it again. You need to write this down. Uncontro an uncontrolled mind, you're not in control. Your thoughts are just all over the place. You panic every time you get a bad report. An uncontrolled mind and wrong thinking 
have as much to do with opening the door to the devil as wrong believing and wrong talking do. So in other words, you may not be taught because you're, you're, you're ignorant. I just didn't, I didn't call you a name. You just haven't been churched very much. You haven't been taught the truth very much. So you may be ignorant when it comes to your believing. So therefore, you may not be able to talk the way that you need to because you have not, you have not heard enough of the word to speak it. But then what happens is, is, is you start with this uncontrolled mind and this uncontrolled thinking. You open the door, the gateway, to allow the enemy into your life. Look what James says. James chapter 3, verse 13 and six through 16. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. The wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and everything evil thing is there. Look what James is saying. Listen, the wisdom that we get from God, the wisdom that we get from the Word, the wisdom that we get from, from prayer time and spending time with God, that wisdom right there will keep us from being ignorant. But when we have the wisdom that comes from the, from the world that we live in, he said it's earthly, it's sensual, it is demonic. Where envy, self-seeking, and confusion exist, every evil thing is right there. When you are confused because you don't know the church, because you're ignorant, you open the door to the devil. You say things that you shouldn't say. Listen, I've heard so many Christian people that will say things and let things come out of their mouth. And I mean, I just, I, I rebuke it instantly. Again, we've, we've all been there. We've all been there. We've all been there. Where the doctor walks in and gives you a report. And then what I'll do is that person will come to me and say, Pastor, I have fill in the blank. As soon as you say that, what did you just do? You've taken possession of it. That's wrong thinking. You'll, you open the door to the enemy when you take possession of it. Instead, we, we should say, the doctor said, I have. But as Brother Wade says, but the Word of God says, When we say, I have, that is earthly thinking. That's why Paul said in Romans 12, 2, he says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do we prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? We get our minds renewed and we begin to think on the Word of God. Well, Pastor, what about my symptoms? What about what I'm going through? If the doctor says I have it and I'm dealing with these symptoms, don't I have it? I'm going to speak against it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. I haven't seen the manifestation of it, but I know that the Word says it's coming. By His stripes, I was healed. I was done 2,000 years ago on the cross. It's already done. If He's already done it and He said He's come to give me the abundant life, then I can walk in the abundance. I may not see it right now, but I know it's coming because Jesus doesn't lie. You need to understand that man is a three-part being. We are assembly of God. We believe in the Trinity. All right? We're not Jesus only around here. 
We believe in the Trinity. We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God, three unique parts. Why is that important? Because you need to understand that we are created in His image. That means that we are a three-part being, a spirit, soul, and body. We're a spirit, we're a soul, and a body. Our body. Everybody smack yourself. No, don't do that. Just, I was going to see who did it. And I want. We got a body. And then we have a soul. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And then we have a spirit. And our spirit, man, I talked to you about this last week. You know, listen, this body's not going to make the trip. My spirit man's going to make the trip. All right? So we're a three-part being. We're a spirit, we're a soul, and a body. So demons, the enemy, he can affect the body and the soul. But if you're born again, not the spirit. He can affect your body, but we have the promise of God that he desires for us to live the abundant life. And that means a healthy body. He can affect our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. But we understand that the greater one lives on the inside of us. And so we can pray that he will take over in our soul. Look at what Paul says in Philippians 4.8. If you've not memorized enough scripture, this is a good one to highlight and to memorize. Finally, brother, whatever things are true. What's true? The word is truth. Thy word is truth. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report. That doctor's report is not always good. That banker's report is not always good. Your friend's report may not always be good. But what he said, I'm going to think on things that are of good report. Because if there's any virtue or anything in, that is praiseworthy, that's what I'm going to meditate on. Don't meditate on sickness. I know it's hard. Trust me. I know it's hard. I know when you're staring in the mirror and you're, you see it, I know that it's hard. But that's why we need to, listen, they buy these markers. My wife owns some that you can actually write on your mirrors and you can wipe those things off. Write you some scripture. I told you about a lady in the church we used to go to. I told her, I said, you need to get some, some healing cards. You need to get some three-by-five cards. How many of you have ever read the book by Dodie Osteen? How many of you even know who Dodie Osteen is? A couple of you. Praise the Lord. Dodie Osteen, the mother of Joel Osteen, wife of John Osteen, filled with the Holy Ghost, got a diagnosis of cancer. Dodie says, I heard what you say, Doc. But this is what the Word says. So Dodie started writing all these scriptures on three-by-five cards, and she would put scriptures all over her house on these. So everywhere she turned, she saw what the healing scripture said, and she just continued to get them down into her heart. So we had a lady in our ministry that got a report, and I said, listen, you need to do what Dodie did. I said, you need to get some three-by-five cards. You need to start writing it down. She said, Pastor, I'm going to do that. About three or four weeks goes by. She said, would you and Miss Sheridan come by my house and pray for me? I said, absolutely. We go by her house and we walk in the door. I'm like, oh my gosh, honey, what have you done? She said, I started doing what you said with the three by five car. She said, but my vision's not as good as it used to be. And I can see this. She started taking Sharpies and she started writing scriptures on her wall. I said, well, honey, I, that's not what I said. She goes, pain to cover that up, Pastor. I'm not worried about that. She goes, but by walking, she goes, on every, I mean, every wall. 
every wall. She had healing scriptures. And she said, I will meditate on these things. She's healed. She's healed in Jesus' name. What are you meditating on? What are you thinking about? What is controlling your thought life? It is important for us to guard our thought life. When we allow negative thoughts and untrue thoughts to consume us, we will have what we think. Proverbs 23.7. Proverbs 23.7. For as he thinks in his heart, mind, will, and emotions, your soul, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. What are you thinking? What are you thinking about? What controls your thought life? Do you, do you meditate on the doctor's report? Do you meditate on the bad news you got? Do you meditate uh, on something that you saw that you shouldn't have saw? I'm going to tell you right now, it is just difficult. If you haven't figured it out by now, I tell you all the time, I'm transparent to a fault. It is difficult to watch television. I like watching TV. I got a couple shows I like to watch, and I definitely love it coming up here in the next uh, 45 days or so when SEC football starts. I love watching my television. I mean, there are people that call me and say, Pastor, I called you Saturday. I was like, what time was it? And they told me, I said, that's why I didn't answer. You can send me a text, and if it's really, really, really important, I'll call you back. But if it's not really, really important, you'll hear from me after the game, depending on if my team won or not. But anyways... But it's hard to watch television because they, 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 even the commercials and the stuff they put it in, shows that I've been watching for years that used to be pretty decent shows. Man, everybody's got to throw the little homosexuality or a little transgender or a little sex outside of marriage in there. And you see that stuff, and if you're not careful, you'll meditate on that stuff. You better have the Word. You better have the Word in your heart. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. What are you thinking? See, we give the devil the satisfaction when we do not control what we meditate on. We open the door to the enemy when we don't control what we meditate on. I know there's, there's some teenagers in here. My, my daughter was 16 years old before she got a, a cell phone. All her friends used to laugh at her because she, her and my son were the only two teenagers that didn't have a cell phone. And the only reason I got her one is, is she got her driver's license. She started driving, and Dad couldn't be with her all the time, and I didn't want her breaking down. So I didn't get her one of these phones that had all this Wi-Fi mess on it. I got her a phone that could make a simple, basic phone call. And their friends kept on talking about all these things. But I told her, I said, but what are all your friends doing? And they're sitting there, and they're all over Facebook. They're all over all the social media, and they're watching all this trash that's on their phone that comes in. And we wonder why our kids dress, act, and speak the way that they do. Because as a man thinks in his heart, and the more they see it, the more it gets in their heart. We blame Satan for everything when he is only when his only authority is temptation. Let me say this again. We blame Satan for everything when his only authority is temptation. I'm going to say this a third time. Get this. We blame the devil for everything when his only authority is temptation. We are our own worst enemy. When we allow the things of the world 
the negativity of unsaved people or even saved ignorant people get into our heads, we open the door to the enemy. Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Not only is it about what we think about, but what are you saying? What comes out of your mouth? What are the things that you're saying about others? I learned the hard way to not speak against the Lord's anointed. I may not always like what they do or how they do it, but if God's called them, who am I to judge? Doesn't mean I have to agree, but I don't have to belittle. I don't have to talk down. You better be careful what you're saying about other people because it may just end up backfiring on you. And don't blame the devil. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You sow corn, you're going to reap corn. You sow tomatoes, you're going to reap tomatoes. Whatever you sow with your tongue, the words that you speak, you're going to get it back. It's coming. Be careful. When we allow the things of this world and the negativity into our hearts, we open up the door to the enemy. Be careful what you speak or you will open the door into your life. Paul goes on to tell us, that after his instructions on what we need to think, he tells us why it's important. Philippians 4, 9 says this, The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. This morning, sitting in my office, I came in here early. I was praying. There's some things that's been I've been dealing with. I've been, I've been studying about healing scriptures, getting ready for healing school. I've been thinking about all those things. So I went back. Number one, I got on my bookshelf and I pulled every book off of my shelf that had anything to do with healing. I got it stacked up on my desk for study. Then I had some, some uh, CDs that, that I had bought years ago that I'm going to stick in my truck so I can listen when I'm driving back and forth about healing. And then I sat down at my computer and I went to YouTube and I pulled up Kenneth Hagin, Dad Hagin, about healing. And I started watching healing. Listen, if I can watch more on healing, if I can listen more on healing, if I can read more on healing, that's going to get down into my heart. And the things that I learn and receive, what are you listening to? What are you letting in? What are you meditating on? When we guard our thoughts, it will impact our words. Then we can have the peace of God that passes all understanding. This is why we need to guard our thoughts and our words. So if we don't, we give Satan the satisfaction. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us. How does he take advantage of us? If we're ignorant. If we're ignorant. So we need to understand, we need to know who our enemy is, number one. Number two, we need to guard our thoughts and our words. And number three, you need to know the difference between oppression and possession. I'm going to do this as quickly as I can. And I thought about taking this part out, but I'm going to tell you right now, we got a lot of people in the church that struggle with oppression because they don't know the difference. To completely understand how the devil and his demons affect people, we need to understand the difference between oppression and possession. 
People try to use these terms interchangeably to mean the same thing, but they are very, very different. Oppression. Oppression. Unjust or cruel exercise of authority or power. Something that oppresses, especially in being unjust or excessive exercise of power. A sense of being weighed down in body or mind. A sense of being weighed down in body or mind. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you know people that are struggling with depression in the church? They're weighed down. They're weighed down in their mind. Pastor friend of mine, guy that I've known for years, been in ministry 40 years. He released a book about three years ago about depression. He said, I never told anybody. He would, he, would, he would preach as long as he was in the podium, man. He was the most anointed person. But he would, he, as soon as he finished, he'd go out the back way. And people thought, well, he's just tired. He's just wore out. He just got done preaching. No, he'd go out the back way. He'd get in his car and he'd drive straight home. And he would sit in his chair. He struggled with depression. He struggled with what people thought about him. It consumed his mind. He said, I speak in tongues. I prophesy. I believe in the healing and anointing. He said, but my mind. In my mind, I was oppressed. Evil spirits can oppress anyone, even Christians, if they allow it. We allow Satan to attack us by opening the door for him to enter in. The door can be opened through wrong thinking and wrong speaking and wrong actions. When we take ownership of things such as sickness, we can be oppressed. If the doctor says you have cancer, you need to make sure that you do not take ownership of it or you will become oppressed. Instead of saying, I have or my cancer, you need to say, the diagnosis is. But then you need to understand the difference between diagnosis and prognosis. Diagnosis. Diagnosis is the identification of the nature of the illness or other problem of examination of the symptoms. Diagnosis. What did the doctor say? What did the banker say? What did whoever say? That's your diagnosis. You've identified what they've said. What's the prognosis? The prognosis is the forecast or the likely outcome of the situation. Well, Pastor, I don't know what the outcome is. Sure you do. It's right here. The prognosis has already been given to us. The doctor can give me a diagnosis, but the Word of God tells me what the prognosis is. The diagnosis may be cancer, but the prognosis is by His stripes I am healed. The diagnosis is the nature of the illness, but the prognosis is the outcome. Remember, He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the diagnosis. But Jesus said the prognosis is I've come that you'd have life. And have it more abundantly. He will try to come in. And he'll try to rob you. He'll try to get into your thoughts. But we have the greater one living on the inside of us. When we believe more about the diagnosis and take ownership, it leads to oppression. 
People don't like to hear that because they're like, well, I'm, I'm a godly, spirit-filled person. How can you possibly say that, Pastor? What do you think about? What's consumed your thought? What is weighing you down? What is leading you to depression? What is keeping you locked in the bedroom? What, is, what has got you so fixated? You're oppressed. Pastor, have you ever been oppressed? Yes. Yes. Let me, let me give you an example of oppression. Brother Matt, come here for me. Big old guy, you. Turn around for a second. So, so let me show you the difference between oppression and possession. If you are not born again, if you're living in sin, if you open the door to the devil, possession comes in and you're possessed. Everybody with me? But if you're born again and the Spirit of, the, of God lives inside of you, you can become oppressed. Go that way. Well, I don't want to. Come on, work with me, man. Work with me. You big old guy. I grabbed you for a reason. You're trying to go down that aisle right there, okay? Go that way. No, go that way. No, go that way. See? That, that's oppression. Oppression is, is I'm going to, I picked the wrong guy. <laughs> Easy. I know I'm smaller than you, but give me some help, okay? All right. He's trying to get down that aisle. Oppression is saying, no, 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 no. Go this way. Don't you want to, look, look over there. Look at that. Look at that right there. Don't you want to go that way? You see what I'm doing? That's oppression. And many of us struggle with oppression because we'll start fixating on things. Our job, sickness, our finances, instead of getting in the Word of God and seeing what the Word of God has to say about our situation. Well, what do other people think about me? Who cares? What does Jesus think about you? Man, I'm preaching to myself. If nobody else in here is going to amen me. Well, what do they think about me? I don't care. What does Jesus think about me? It's not just sickness. It can be in, in any area of our life. Satan tries to oppress us by pulling all kinds of pressure on us until we, have, until we are intensely aware of the pressure. A person can be more oppressed or less oppressed, but even spirit-filled believers can be oppressed. Yielding to the desires of the flesh can bring one into bondage, which leads to oppression. I've shared this with you real quickly. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21 says, The works of the flesh are. Not only are there, and there's the list right there. I've read this to you. But they're evident. That's the thing you need to understand. The works of the flesh are evident. Oppression is evident. I've prayed for people before that they were struggling in certain areas, and I said, I break this chain of oppression, and then they'd look at me like, oh, I'm a Christian pastor. I'm like, you want me to pray for you or not? I told you the story about the lady that came to me and said she wanted to quit smoking, right? And I looked at her, I said, are you sure? She said, yes. I said, are you positive? She goes, I'm positive. I said, all right. Me and Ms. Sheridan laid hands on her. I said, in the name of Jesus, I break this, uh, this, this oppression of smoking cigarettes over her. I pray that any time she sticks a cigarette in her mouth, she begins to vomit vehemently. I don't even know how to spell vehemently, but it just came out. And as soon as I said that, boy, she backed up. She said, what? Vomit vehemently? I said, I thought you wanted to be free. She said, well, I do. I said, then let me, no, vomit vehemently. Can't you just say quit smoking? I said, oh, you will. 
First time you stick a cigarette in your mouth and you begin to vomit and you feel like your kidneys are coming out of your mouth, you'll quit. I'm good, Pastor. That was on Sunday. Monday, I got a call in the Pastor Mike Campbell's office. He looked at me. As soon as I walked in the office, he looked at me and said, Vomit vehemently. Can't you just say, Be healed in Jesus' name? I said, I don't think she'd have got it, but she got that. She was under the oppression of smoking. There are people that are under the oppression of, of drinking. There are people that are under the oppression of, of pornography. There are people that are under the oppression of sickness. That's all they think about. It's what consumes their thoughts. But look at what Paul goes on to say in Galatians 5, and 23. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Much of what is blamed on demons and the devil is really man's fallen nature expressing itself through the flesh. But we are not to walk according to the flesh. We're called to walk according to the Spirit. Demons can entice and exaggerate our fleshly weakness, but the blame lies on us. As a Christian, while demonic power can affect the outside of our body and our emotions and minds, they can never come into the innermost man, which is our spirit. While oppression can make one do the will of Satan instead of God by opening the door through fleshly desires, unrighteous talk or poor decisions, it should not be confused with possession. To be possessed is, submit, is to submit your whole being and soul to evil spirits. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on possession right now. I'll get that to you later. But I promise you this, folks. If we don't learn to walk in the Spirit, if we don't learn to take every thought captive, if we don't learn to do the things we're supposed to do, and we stay oppressed long enough, it could lead to possession. If you're struggling with oppression... You need, to, you need to get into the Word. You need, to, you need to begin to change the way you think. You need to begin to change the way that you speak. In Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 20, we don't have this slide. I'm not going to read all this to you. But it's the story of the man that was with the Gadareans. He was on the land of the Gadareans. Jesus lands, and the man who was demon-possessed came running to Jesus. And he said, what, what do you have to do with me? Even the demonic want to be free. I could tell you many, many stories. I don't have time this morning about people that came to our Teen Challenge program that were demon-possessed. They started off much like a seven-year-old boy that had a little patch that said, the devil made me do it. And what happened was is that addiction of alcohol, that addiction of drugs, continued to lead them down a dark road into the place that they were fully possessed. We saw many get free. We saw many find freedom in Christ Jesus. But I saw some that, that, that just said that they liked it. They wanted to live that way. And I had, I had no authority. Even though I knew that the greater authority walked in me, as long as they wanted to hold on to it, it was theirs. I can pray for your healing, but as long as you hold on to the sickness and claim it, it's yours. I can pray for your finances, but as long as you hold on to poverty, it's yours. I can pray for your thought life, but as long as you hold on to it, it's yours. And even the power that's in me, I can't break it. 
We've had many encounters, but I thank God that the greater one lives on the inside. We need to realize that as Christians, we don't have to listen to the devil and we don't have to yield to him either. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Susan, come on up. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 3 through 5. It says, For I indeed, as absent in the body, but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present him who has done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with the Spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one as to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved. Paul is writing this letter to talk to the church at Corinth that he's already visited, and he's talking about a guy that's in his church that is sleeping with his father's wife, and the church is allowing it. The church has become oppressed because this guy was possessed. And Paul said, you're allowing it and it's going to destroy the church. You need to turn him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh that his soul would be saved. What does that look like, Pastor? I remember a family that came down to our ministry. They brought their daughter in. She was about 24, 25 years old. She's sitting in the corner. Dad's sitting next to her. Mom's sitting right here. She's got her arms crossed. Mom and Dad said, listen, our daughter needs help. We know that you can help her. I said, well, let me just get one thing straight. I can't help her, but Jesus can. And I began to explain. I said, our program is a 14-month program. It's a Christ-based program. This is what she's going to have to do. The whole time, she's just sitting there. The Holy Ghost inside of me said, get ready. I was ready. I looked at her. I said, what do you have to say? And she said, I ain't got nothing to say. I said, well, understand that this is an adult program. I said, so at any time during our conversation, if you want mom and dad to step out, I said, they can. She said, now. I said, excuse me? She said, now. I looked over at mom and dad. I said, would you go wait in the waiting room? Mom started crying. She said, pastor, are you telling us to leave? I said, no, I'm asking you to step into the waiting room. I said, because I need to, I need to deal with your daughter. What I wanted to say is I need to deal with the devil, but I, I couldn't tell mom that. Mom and dad step out in the waiting room. I looked over at the girl. I said, I said, so what do you think? She said, let me tell you what I think. She said, I don't want nothing to do with you. I don't want anything to do with your program. I don't want anything to do with your Jesus. I sure as ain't going to stay here. And I just kind of smiled. I said, that's fine. I said, I can't force you to stay here. I said, but this is what I'm going to tell you, young lady. I said, that devil that has got control of you is going to kill you. What I'm offering you is life. She said, you. Got up walked out of my office. I walked out after. Walked in the waiting room. Mom and dad are sitting there. Mom's crying. Mom says, is she staying? I said, she don't want anything to do with me, my program, or my God. She says, well, what do we do? I said, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. I says, you need to lock her out of the house. Change all the, the, the locks. Do not let her in. Stick a bologna sandwich on the front porch with a bottle of water every day. She won't starve to death and she won't dehydrate. But do not let her in her house and do not give her any of the comforts of home. Mom looked at me. She said, you are an evil man. I thought you were a Christian. I said, well, let me give you plan B. Plan B is this. About five miles up the hill, you're going to come. There's a funeral home on the left-hand side of the road. Stop in there and go ahead and pay. Prepay for her funeral. You're a terrible man. Walks out of the office. Dad just stood there and stared at me. He says, Pastor, I'm sorry. I said, until you turn her over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, 
Dad walks out. About three weeks goes by. I'm sitting in my office one day, and I get a phone call. Lady on the other side, I can tell she's been crying. I said, this Tim, can I help you? She said, can I get into your program? I said, well, I don't know. Who is this? And she said her name. I said, wait a minute. I didn't think you wanted anything to do with me, my program, or my Jesus. She said, Pastor, my parents listened to you. She said, I've been living in a mower shed for the last two weeks. All I get to eat is a bologna sandwich and a bottle of water today. She said, I haven't had a shower in over two weeks. She said, will you let me into your program or not? I said, yes, if you'll bring your family down. Or if your family will bring you down. Her mom and dad brought her that afternoon. We prayed for her. She found deliverance. She graduated the program, went to college, ended up becoming a teacher. Jesus set her free. But her flesh had to get uncomfortable, folks. Sometimes, even for us, it doesn't need to go to that extreme, but sometimes our flesh needs to get a little uncomfortable so that we can operate in the Spirit. I've got a lot more here, but I'm going to share this. I'm going to close with this. Hosea 4.6. Hosea 4.6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. My people have been destroyed for lack of knowledge. Why are we going to do healing school? To educate people, give them knowledge. Why do we do hope for life? To educate people, to give them knowledge. Why are we going to get into the elementary school? To get a hold of these kids and give them knowledge. Why do I go speak to the football team? To give them knowledge. Why am I willing to be a chaplain? To give them knowledge. Why do I preach the way that I preach? To give you knowledge. Because I don't want anybody destroyed for lack of knowledge. Lest Satan should take advantage of us. For we are ignorant of his devices. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast of Life Church. If you are looking for a home church, please visit us at 100 Todd Road in Perry, Georgia, or check out our website at lifechurchga.com.